Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. In this episode, Hendrik Brewery came on. Hendrik earned his way to Biggs by winning the golden ticket for Team Germany at the SAP Champs last year. And more recently, he was the assist at the Suffolk Backyard Ultra when he ran for 81 hours. Here we go. Okay, g'day Hendrik, how are you going? Yeah, good, all good, thank you. Good, good being here. Yeah, it's good to have you. Yeah, cool. I saw you um, recently got back from a trip to Norway. <laughs> yeah, true. You've been stalking with Strava. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the views of those photos you were taking looks pretty, pretty stunning. Yeah, no, it was gorgeous. Yeah, my wife and I spent like 10 days in the Lofoten, so in the north of Norway. It's like a, a couple of islands there and they have like some beautiful, beautiful climbs, quite technical. Um, so yeah, I had a couple of nice runs and hikes over there. It was gorgeous. A uh, bit, bit different terrain than you have in the backyard, but uh, definitely nice for a change. Yeah, well, if, they, if you're running up hills, it would have been good practice and good for your fitness. Yeah, no, that's true. And I've heard that Biggs is also a little bit technical or a bit more technical than the backyards that I've done before. So I guess it can't harm uh, to do a bit of mountain running. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how did you get into um, running Hendrik and um, how long ago was that? Uh, so I started as a middle distance runner um, when I was like 11, 12 years ago. So that would be like some 20 years ago now. I'm just, yeah, I've done a couple of other sports before, but I seem to always not be that great on the tech, uh, tactical parts. So when I've done judo or gymnastics or table tennis, never really been that good at that part, but I've been really good at like the endurance side of things. So at some point I just realized, okay, maybe I should switch to just running. Um, I seem to be more like that seems to be more up my sleeve. Um, so yeah, I started, started doing middle distance running. Uh, 11, 12 years old, and then like just up the distance because at some point I just realized um, the longer I go, the better I seem to perform compared to other people. So yeah, um, then went from my 800 meters up to like 10,000 marathon, ultra marathon, and that's where I am right now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Because I did notice that you, you must have been pretty serious about the marathon at, at one stage because you actually went to Kenya and and trained over there. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's true. So after my A-levels, uh, 2010, um, I had the opportunity to go to Kenya for a couple of months before, because like the year before I've done a marathon and I won it in my age group and like I got to know the overall winner um, who was Kenyan and we became good friends and he then invited me over saying, okay, you've got nothing better to do after your A-levels. Why not go to Kenya with me? So I spent a couple of months yeah living with him and his wife and his uh, son in Kiricho, which is in the great rift valleys like um close to Iten actually where you have like all the olympics um yeah uh runners training um it's quite high uh, in terms of altitude uh, it was quite the amazing experience actually you've had like a group of like 20 runners and every morning we would meet at like half five in the morning go for the first like 30 kilometer run uh, go back home, have a tea, relax a little bit, have the next session. So like every week we would have like 12 sessions or so, and I probably lost like seven kilos, I think, um, but got in pretty pretty decent shape actually for the German championships then. So yeah, it was, was a fascinating experience, just like seeing how professional they go about everything and how running is like the core focus of their life like being super diligent about going to bed early, making sure that they don't drink too much alcohol, don't eat um, yeah, junk food, but like making sure that they really focus their whole life just thinking about running and thinking about performing. And it was quite inspirational. Yeah. And I guess, um, so how did you go in the marathon after that time in Kenya? Did you run a PB? Uh, I kind of burned up, so it was um, it was quite hot, and I, I was like super excited and ambitious, and then I like completely blew up. Yeah. Uh, it was a PB in the end, but it was definitely far from what I would have liked to achieve. Uh, it was a two fifty three in the end, and yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it was definitely a little bit disappointing, but it's fine. It was a good experience in Kenya. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, how did you? Um, how long ago did you run your first ultra then? Uh, so that was shortly after the first year of university, um, 20, what was that, 2012. Um, so uh, I just saw that um, like my university offered some like sponsorship for like different races or like sports achievements. And I saw this run in Iceland and I 
wanted to go for like a backpacking trip in Iceland for a couple of months. And I saw, oh, there's this ultra marathon. My university sponsors that. Uh, why not try it? So that was like a 50 kilometer run in Iceland. And I was like completely underprepared. I had like no idea what it's like to run that distance in like a snowy glacial kind of environment. Uh, I nearly wanted to run in my winter jacket because I was like so scared that it would be like too cold for me actually. Yeah. Um, so loads of learnings. Um, I happened to finish, four, finish fourth in the event, although I made like loads of mistakes. Um, and that kind of like just showed me again, okay, I seem to be quite good at this like long distance running, mountain running kind of thing. Although having no clue about it, I still perform well. So after that, I just thought, okay, uh, let's up the distance a little bit, see how much else I can do. So I then went into 80 kilometer runs and like 100 kilometer runs, uh, had a couple of podium finishes and like just got more, yeah, more inspired by that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, great. So I mean, it sounds like you definitely like um, traveling and you've been to a lot of places and, and you're based in London now. So how did how did you end up in London? <laughs> yeah, I think that was just coincidental. So after university, uh, I just saw that there was this job that I could do in London. And I guess as many people in Europe, um, London is like a good place to start your career or like they see London as a good start to pl uh, place to start your career. So I've, I've thought, okay, I'm going to spend like two years in London and then I'm probably going to get sick of it because I'm not a big fan of big cities. Yeah. Uh, but as it so happens, I, over time, I really got to love the city. I found like my small neighborhood. And my wife and I, we just like found our our small part in London, which was like ours. Um, so we don't really travel into the city center. We just mostly spend our time in that like small neighborhood that we yeah call home now. Um, and by now, actually, I understand the city a bit better, but it's just still ginormous. And I come from the countryside. So right now I'm with my family here, actually, in the in the northern German countryside. It's like really nice to be back and just to... Yeah, to breathe uh, fresh air again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you were born in Germany, right? And, and did you grow up in Germany as well? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I was born in this small village, uh, 2,000 inhabitants, northern Germany, uh, pancake flat, so not many hills here at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I spent my first like 18 years of my life here, basically, before I started traveling um yeah which is it's it's beautiful growing up here i had a really nice running club here uh no mountains at all unfortunately so i kind of missed that so because of that i actually started university in scotland to have a bit of like fell running and like a cross-country experience in scotland which uh really formed me as an athlete i think um and then i went over to canada to study there as well and again did a bit of hill running and like especially in the winter uh do some like outdoor running at like negative 30 degrees which i think is like good Good for your mental uh, toughness, I think. Uh, yeah, to yeah. Uh, become a better runner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, have you? Because um, I'm in Australia. Have you been to Australia before? Or uh, yeah, I spent actually like six months in Australia. Like before, I went to Kenya. Uh, I do what every German student does. You spend half a year backpacking around Australia, doing a fruit picking in Australia. So oh, I've, yeah. I've done my stint, so to speak, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I didn't really know what to el what else to do with my life. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a great, great country. Um, really also kind of inspired me to, yeah, I mean, there's not many mountains in Australia, but uh, I, I got to know a couple of like bike packers. So like people that are traveling around Australia by bike, uh, which I found quite inspirational. So a couple of years later, I started doing that as well having like two weeks, um, two week journeys in like Scotland or other countries uh, with my mountain bike, my tent, and just trying to be a bit, um, yeah, uh, yeah, not being reliant on like uh, accommodation, but like uh, just being a bit of a free spirit, so to speak, traveling around Scotland and other countries uh, in Europe with my bike. Yeah, awesome. The um, so when I was doing research, I, I was I couldn't really find much about your results i found a little bit but i couldn't find much so had before you ran it for germany at the satellite championships um had you run many backyard ultras before that yeah it's quite interesting because i i recently so i got married last year 
And before that, um, I was called Spöring, which is my family name. So you would have probably searched for Hendrik Brewery, which is my new name. Yeah. So um, because of that, like everything that happened pre-2021 um, for my new name, you wouldn't find that anymore, right. uh, which is a bit, a bit of a shame because I'm quite proud of like uh, some of the events that it did do, but you wouldn't find them in the records anymore. <laughs> um so yeah now i've done a fair bit mostly mountain running um until i until COVID hit and like first year of COVID, i found out about this uh, backyard um just because i was looking into what well, i mean every runner knows about lazarus lake and they know about the um um about the barkley marathons and like about this mystique around them so i just like watched a couple of documentaries and i realized hmm, if i want to qualify for the barkley marathons like one way of doing that is to win this weird thing that's called a backyard ultra yeah. i never really heard about the concept but then yeah i researched it a bit more and i realized okay it's a great kind of concept you run as long as you can it's like an all you can eat buffet of running so it's, it's kind of cool because it's really only about mental grit not yeah. so much about your speed or anything like that and then i saw this event in suffolk um which is um organized by lindley Lindley Chambers. Um, so in 2021, I think I did my first, uh, 2020 actually, first year of COVID. Um, I've done my first backyard there, which was uh, in October. It's been postponed a couple of times. It was miserable. It was rainy, uh, but I still ended up in the top 10 and thought, okay, this concept is kind of nice, but there's loads of learnings. So like I didn't really perform as well as I would have liked to. And since then, I've done a couple of other backyards, um, always in Suffolk. And every year I kind of improved a little bit um until i then yeah did 42 laps last year qualified for the german championships uh won them and then last year or like a couple of months ago in suffolk um everything came together really nicely um i had an amazing crew uh with matthew blackburn who um used to run the world uh, world record a couple of years ago together with john stocker and um, and also andrew smith who used to go to the world championships a couple of years ago so he was part of my crew as well so together with like Matt Blackburn and Andrew Smith, uh, they managed to really push me and my wife was there as well. Uh, so that I ended, actually ended up doing 81 loops um, in that championships or in like in Suffolk, which was yeah a great experience. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's where I first heard about, well, I knew you'd won the Satellite Champs because you won that under the name um, Hendrik Bury, but, and then I saw yeah. you were running at Suffolk. So, before so i know you did your satellite champs in 46 at the time was 46 your best result uh yeah exactly yeah yeah, cool. yeah what's my best what's my best result yeah yeah and in the german um satellite team were you the number one seeded runner or were there uh, runners there with um uh, better backyard ultra results at that time yeah, so I was number two um, with 46. Uh, Michael Oler or Michael Oler, um, he's, a, he's a brilliant German ultra runner. He qualified for the 24-hour World Championships this year. He's done um, uh, the Badwater Ultra. I think he finished in the top three or four, if I don't, uh, if I remember correctly. He's a brilliant ultra marathon runner. And he also organizes backyard ultras himself. So um, like the Beanvald Ultra, he organizes that. So he was both the organizer and he was also an athlete and he was like, he was seated number one. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, he's absolutely brilliant. So uh, I was like going into the satellite championships with the sole goal of supporting him actually. Like I, did, I never thought about winning it. Like um, I only thought, okay, let's do this as a team event. And I try because I know I'm fairly strong, but definitely not as strong as him. I'll try to like push him as far as possible so that he gets like a good result and that Germany as a team gets a good result. Like that was that was the goal for me personally. Yeah. And did he end up being the assist or or what ha happened in his race? Yeah, so he ended up being the assist. So he stopped after 45 hours and actually two other people as well. So in lap 45, we were still four people. Right. Um, and the three others stopped after 45 hours. Um, like all of them, I think what happened was like, they were all mentally quite tired at that point. So the other two who are also really strong runners, uh, it was like a massive PB for them at that point. And they actually thought about stopping a couple of laps before, but Michael did a great job in like encouraging them to, to continue going. And this also like, it was a great team spirit. It was a great experience there. 
But then after 45, all three of them decided, okay, this is enough for, uh, for us. I think for the two of them, they wanted to stop before and they were like really happy with the 45 loops. And I think Michael, um, he just came back from the 45 hour, uh, 24 hour um, championships just a couple of weeks before that. He has done brilliantly there as well. I think the European champs, I think he was mentally just a little bit tired as well. And like, um, yeah, he was, he, he was happy with the result that he achieved and uh, he was yeah happy for me to then uh, get the get the title yeah 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 so um back out ultras they're growing in popularity all around the world um are they growing it like how popular are they in germany are they pretty big over there yeah definitely um i don't think quite as big as in the us as australia or the uk yet I think it's more popular in the English speaking world, but it's definitely quite big. Like we've got quite a big following in Germany already. And, um, Alex Hall, who is a race organizer in Germany, he may also know, uh, he's, he's good friends with Last Lake. Um, he's doing a great job in like pushing, pushing the, uh, pushing the, uh, pushing backyard in Germany and like inviting loads of people coming uh, to Germany. He also created the Backyard Masters. So he invited like loads of like really high profile runners into Germany. And because of that, I think the popularity also like increased quite massively. Um, I think we still have a, some way to go in order to like foster a couple of like better runner or like uh, even stronger runners. So Michel Ola is obviously one of them. We also got a, one really good German female runner who uh, was the champion the year before. Uh, I'm quite decent, but I think we need to like uh, get a couple of like other runners um, into the sport who can really push uh, push the yards. Um, mm. But yeah, it's definitely growing in popularity for sure. Yeah. Um, so at the set champs, you did 46, and at the time when you finished, were you thinking to yourself, "Wow, I'm feeling great. I could go keep going," or how were you feeling when you finished? Um, I, quite, a little bit sad that we finished. To be honest, it's it's like this weird thing about backyard. Like, I mean, uh, up to like the last like five or six people, it, it's like a great team event, and you run together and you just enjoy the company. And once you're like the last five or six people, you see it as a competition and you want to win it. But once you win it, or like once the second last person drops out, you're kind of a bit disappointed because you yourself you're normally not done yet so you kind of want to see like how much further could you personally go um so you may have seen in the results or uh on the strava so my last loop i've done it in like 30 odd minutes like 32 minutes or so so i just thought okay like i'm just gonna go for it now because i still have a lot of energy left yeah. um i think at the point i probably could have done maybe 55 60 loops i think that would have been possible for me so on the one hand i was elated that i would be able to go to bigs and I thought yeah that's amazing on the other hand I was a little bit disappointed that I couldn't push as hard as possible to see how much further I could go yeah so you did mention um Alex Hole and his um his backyard masters that he does in Germany which was only maybe one or two weeks before Suffolk that you ran in so were you yeah. tossing up between the two races between the masters yeah. and Suffolk um, so yeah, Alex invited me to, to the, to the masters, like immediately after I won, uh, the German satellites. And it's, I was briefly thinking about it for sure. Um, I think I have a bit of, like, it's just loyalty kind of things because, um, Suffolk has been my first ultra, uh, my, my first backyard. And I've got a lot of like really good friends in Suffolk. Um, like the ones that I mentioned earlier, like Matthew Blackburn, Andrew Smith, uh, Matt Parker, uh, John Stocker is also there. Like it's, I, we have like, we created this like nice kind of community in Suffolk. Um, and like with Lindley and so on. And I kind of felt a bit of like, not obligation, but like loyalty towards the race. And I thought, okay, I, um, I kind of want to, yeah, continue to run there. Um, I, I'm really inspired by what Alex does in, in Germany with the Masters. But just because of this loyalty standpoint, I thought, okay, I, I definitely want to go back to my roots or like go back to where I uh, like kind of found out about backyard before. Yeah. Yeah. The, mm. was it like, did you almost not run at all because you had, um, you got your golden ticket to run at Bigs. So mm. did you feel like you had to um, run? Did, was there a reason for running? Um, was, was it hard to find motivation to go big? because you had that mm. golden ticket already or how did you approach that 
Um, no, it was definitely not a, like I was sure I would run. Um, the, the only problem was I actually had a complex meniscus tear last year. Like I ran the German satellites championships with a complex meniscus tear and I had an operation in January this year. So, um, I only trained for like six to eight weeks before I, um, before Suffolk. So I was a little bit, I wasn't quite sure whether I would be in shape to do Suffolk, but I had a couple of good training runs and I felt, okay, I, I can do Suffolk. So I'll, I'll be okay. And my main motivation for Suffolk was to just push as hard as possible uh, to gain confidence before bigs. So I saw it as a training run because I knew 46 hours is not enough to be competitive in bigs. So I wanted to see how much further can I go to gain confidence and also to learn about like a good pacing strategy, a good crewing strategy. So I saw it as a training run in the end of the day. Um, and Matthew, who was my main crew, um, again, he was the former world uh, record holder together with John Stocker. Um, he managed to really pump me up the last couple of weeks before Suffolk. And he just, uh, he knew that I had quite a, quite a lot of potential and he just wanted to get, get the best out of me. And he did a brilliant job in crewing me and, uh, like together as a team, we just got the most out of it. So it was just a brilliant training run for us and like a really good preparation for, for bigs. So no, I, I never, I never questioned the decision of doing Suffolk. It was the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And did you go in there with any new strategies? Because you did want to go, as you mentioned, you wanted to go as deep as you possibly could. So did you go in there with any new strategies or game plan to help you go for a longer time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the one thing was that I started sleeping immediately. So in the first night, sleeping was really, really important to me. And that I would start trying to sleep like seven or 10 minutes each loop from the very beginning. Um, like in Germany, I didn't sleep very well in the first night and I got really tired in the second night. And that was a real problem for me. So sleeping was quite important. Um, and the other thing was, I think, um, also like in terms of caffeine. So everything was like sleep related. So Matt and I, we made sure that I wouldn't drink any caffeine until Monday morning. Um, and that would be quite strict about that. Um, so that I would have like a really good kick on Monday morning, which would keep me going. So that was like sleep, a sleep strategy was quite important. Um, other than that, I think it was just a mental thing. Like my, because in Suffolk so far, especially with John Stalker being obviously like a pretty big figure in the sport, I never really trusted myself to be able to be competitive against John. So this time for the first time, like, I think I was in a better mental mindset. I really trusted myself. I could potentially win, um, Suffolk. Um, and again, like with the support of Matt, like we just like reiterated this mantra and reiterated this messaging that I'm here to win and not, I'm not here to be a spectator. I think so this like, so sleeping strategy and like mental strategy, those like were quite important for me to like dial in better. And with those like two things, I'm also going to go into bigs. I know Bix is huge and like we've got an amazing athletes here, but I don't see myself as a spectator anymore. I definitely want to push um, together with Matt um, to push to get go as hard as possible and to go as far as possible. So I definitely see myself as a competitor uh, to go far and Suffolk definitely gave me the confidence for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So you would know that um, the, the coverage of Suffolk was one of the best um, I've ever seen for Backyard Ultra, that yeah. my run guy, he was awesome. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. A lot of the footage is on YouTube as well. And it looked like a really exciting race, like especially towards the end. Um, and there were some times when you finished your loops, like with like 90 seconds to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so what was happening out there on those loops? Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i don't quite remember so like between like loop 75 and 80 my memory is a bit yeah. a bit shady it's a bit faded <laughs> it was quite interesting like at, at loop 80 i had a conversation with lindley um and lindley said just welcome back hendrick because apparently like in the loops before i wasn't quite coherent in terms of what i was saying <laughs> uh, so i really don't remember much um i just realized like every single loop, I struggled a lot to comp comprehend what I was doing. Like every five minutes or so, I would forget that I was in a race. I would forget that I was doing the backyard. I had like no clue what I was actually doing. I think it's a complete coincidence and it, uh, uh, that I actually finished the loops. Like I checked my Strava, so I definitely did finish the loops and I definitely <laughs> didn't go off, off course. So I am quite happy about that. But there were many occasions I was just so incredibly tired 
that I was just like sitting down on a bench, like just trying to sleep a little bit. So to like get back in, on track, but then I would break up and completely lost my plot and I didn't know what I was doing. And I was just lucky that Oriol, who was still like Oriol and I, we were the last two people on the race and Oriol has done amazingly. So often I started running faster than Oriol and then I would stop sleep somewhere and Oriol would pass me and he would like wake me up and like uh, say, okay, like we need to go now. <laughs> um, and then that's when I remembered, okay, I need to do this race. But then I would forget again um, to the point that in like loop 78 or so, I heard everybody cheer, uh, but I didn't know what they were cheering for. I didn't know it was a race. Mm -hmm. And I realized only when I sprinted to the finish line that I only had like 90 seconds left. Like I, it was a total coincidence. I finished on time. <laughs> like I, I could have timed out, but uh, it was a complete coincidence that I finished on time. Uh, yeah, it was quite brutal. So as I said, initially like sleep, sleep is the big one. Like that's what I need to dial in better. Yeah, yeah. Because like on the video, Oriol does finish one of the loops and he says, um, Hendrix, like out there, is on a bench. I don't know if he's going to make the time. And then uh, they were about to go and look for you, but then they like, no, we'll just wait. And then they saw you coming and they're going, Oh, come on, Hendrix. It <laughs> really exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, um, so when you were on the bench, you, you didn't set a time. You didn't set a timer or alarm to make sure? Uh, no, I actually did. So I, w I was conscious enough to, uh, to set an alarm for five minutes or so. It was still a stupid idea for, of me to do that, but I did set an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, I was at least conscious enough. <laughs> for that. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been a, a pretty comfortable looking couch. I mean, comfortable looking bench when you ran past. It must have looked like a couch uh yeah no it looked really appealing like i mean just imagine like you're just so tired that every single step does it's just really it's just such a mental effort to do step after step it wasn't even like i wasn't physically that tired like um i know i've done like 540 kilometers but to be very honest like i think i like from given my legs my legs were okay like i could have gone longer it was just I had to mentally push myself to actually do one step after the other and not forget what I was doing. So just this mental effort was so draining that it just needed to sit down. Like I just saw no other way of doing it. Um, yeah. So it was just a mental thing in the end of the day and really shows you how incredibly important sleep is. Like even if your legs are still fine, your body is still fine. If your head is not there, if you're totally sleep deprived, you just can't finish this thing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So in the end, you, as you mentioned, you went for 81 hours and that puts you 11th um, all time on the all time backyard ultra list. So, so that must have um, done the trick and that would have given you a lot of confidence leading into bigs then I'm tipping. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Like, um, as I said, initially, like I know the caliber of runners is insane. Like it's it's such good runners that are uh, that are there, and nobody can be underestimated. Also, people that fin like won their national championships only with like only with like 40, 50 loops. Like you don't know how good they could be. Like they may also be like 80, 90 loop people. Um, so there's incredible runners out there, but still, I'm gonna go in there with a lot of confidence. I'm number eleven at the moment. I know it doesn't mean that much, but it means it means something, and I definitely wanna like. I definitely don't want to not start a loop like that. I think that's like the, the worst thing. Like, like all of us who are qualified for bigs, I think we all have the ambition to always answer the bell and to always get out there. And I definitely have that ambition and to go as much as, uh, as long as I can. Yeah. 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 Um, at mm. Suffolk, um, were there any times when you almost didn't answer the bell or was it that no, not a problem? No, not a single time. Like even when I finished with like ninety seconds to spare, like I didn't think about staying on the uh, in the chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you were obviously sleep deprived and very sleepy, and often that means hallucinations. So were you having any hallucinations out there as well? Yeah, they get interesting, don't they? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know it yourself as an ultra runner. Like. Saturday nights, night number one was fine, just like some stones moving a little bit. Sunday night, night number two, you see a couple of like people, houses, stuff like this. Uh, Monday night, night number three, everything becomes surreal. Like nothing makes sense anymore. Although you've done the stupid loop like 70, 80 times at that point, um, or like at that point, like 60, 70 times. Um, 
it just changes like the whole scenery changes like nothing makes sense anymore like it's not that a couple of things are moving or you see a couple of hallucinations it's just the whole surrounding completely changes and you can't focus on anything anymore and that just adds to this like mental drainness or like uh, mental tiredness in the end yeah yeah sure yeah. Um, the way you were speaking though at the end when you turned back um <laughs> on the 80 second loop like you sounded like you were like you sounded really good like you were making sense you didn't sound tired like i, I bet a lot of people have said that to you though <laughs> yeah and that's the disappointing thing like if i look at that like last interview I also think like man that guy looks fine like why yeah. did he turn around like there's no reason like he looks okay and that's the yeah that's the weird thing it's i mean like after every loop like the last six loops or so i was feeling really shit really bad until i i was in the starting area and like i was sitting down and then i felt brilliant again like i had a had a red bull or something and i felt like really good again um so it like it can change all the time like it uh like you may feel really bad like one moment and you may feel like feel uh, feel really decent again the moment after and that's the disappointing thing so like when, at the moment when i turned around i, I seriously like there was no way like i really thought there was no way for me to finish it like i i was just not able to run anymore i was completely like so tired um, that I had thought there was no way of me finishing that loop. Then I turned around and I like saw Steve who interviewed me. And at that point, I was still convinced it was the right idea. It was the right decision. But as I said, I, I made sense at that point, maybe I could have, I could have run further. I don't know. Like it's, it just changes from moment to moment. I mean, there were a couple of moments when Oriel, like it's loop 76, 78, uh, 7, he was struggling at that point. And at that point I thought, okay, I've got it. And then he was feeling really good again the loop after and i was struggling a lot like it just changes so quickly um and yeah. at some point uh it's just too much i don't know yeah but uh, yeah i was gonna say there was one loop when um both you and oriel it almost looked like you were both not going to make time because you came running in at about 58 minute mark and yeah. you're gonna say where are they <laughs> where are they yeah, yeah. <laughs> So did you, did Oriol yeah. stop on the bench with you as well, or did he always <laughs> run past? Actually, we didn't see each other that loop. I think, like, oh. I think I, I don't quite know. I still don't know what happened that loop, but I think it's a, again a coincidence that we both nearly didn't make it. Um, I started a bit faster than Oriol, so I was just a bit of a bit ahead of him. Um, and I think he actually got lost a bit. So I think he went off course behind me and then he like retraced his, uh, his steps and then he went on course again. And I think I was just going really slowly and like, again, like sleeping a little bit. He went off course and then he was going really fast in the end in order to make time. So I think it was like completely smashed at that point. Uh, so we did, we raced a completely different loop at that point. We actually didn't see each other. It kind of looked like we were helping each other at that point, but uh, in that loop, it was a completely different race, actually. And again, I think for both of us, it was just a coincidence that we made it on time. But, right, yeah. yeah. Well, but I was, I was really happy that he made it. I was just like, I think we were both really happy that we made it and that we could just continue, continue to see how far we can go. Yeah. 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 Were you working together much out there or were you running separately most of the time? Um, every now and then we were working together. I think that's also learning for me. I think we should have worked together more, to be honest, especially when I was feeling sleep deprived. I should have like stuck with him more so that he, he can help me. And the other way around, when he was struggling and getting lost, he should have stuck with me so that we can support each other. I think that was definitely, that's another learning for me. Like, you shouldn't, I think at that point, I saw it potentially too much of a, as a competition and uh, doing it the way that I wanted to do it, run my own race. But I think that was a mistake. I think we should have uh, stuck with each other, even though it was only the two of us left. I think we should have stuck with each other and just like help each other, um, which we unfortunately didn't do as much as we should have. Mm. You did mention that you look back now and you wonder if you could have gone um, another loop, but, um, and that's pretty common for backyard ultra, but, um, yeah. do you, do you kind of wish you did go further or you're totally satisfied with, with the 81? No, no, I wish I would have gone further. Definitely. Like, I think it was actually 
was haunting me for at least another two, two, three weeks after that. Like I was dreaming about it. And I was, I was actually sleeping quite poorly the like four or five days after on the one hand because of the sleep deprivation, but also because every now and then I was waking up thinking I'm still in the race and I should continue. And I was also like grappling with the fact that I stopped. And I think, I mean, at the point I thought it was the right decision, but as you said, like everybody who does stop at some point thinks they should have gone longer and uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with the 81 lose, but I'm not satisfied that I stopped. Like that was, yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> um, so I'm pretty sure that running 81 yards in a backyard ultra would become, would have become hard at some stage of the race. So what are, around what stage of the race did you start thinking to yourself, gee, this is hard? Um, so I think, I don't remember the loop. I think it was like loop 60 or so. It may have been, or just before 60. Uh, I got some problems with my shins. Um, so I had like some, I think you can see some tape on my leg at some point, I think Monday afternoon, Monday evening or so. Um, so that's the first time that I, that my legs showed signs of fatigue or showed signs of wear and tear. And there was this one loop when I was like really hobbling along and I was, um, it was really painful actually. And at that point I thought, okay, I can't do this much longer. This is probably it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fortunately my crew was able to like patch me up and put some like tape on me. And after like two loops, it was actually fine again. So, uh, so after it was fine again, I gained a lot of confidence and I thought, okay, we can deal with these things. We can problem solve. I shouldn't just give up because I, my shins are hurting. Obviously, if there's a real problem, if there's like real issues, I need to stop. But this has been fixed with the tape and I can actually go on. So there I had some doubts because of my shins. And then Monday mo- uh, Tuesday morning at 4 a.m., I was in a really bad place as well, um, really sleep deprived. Um, at that point, actually, Matt uh, quickly went to bed for a couple of hours. Um, Andrew has also done like an amazing job to crew me at that point. But um, when I was again, like, yeah, I was so sleep deprived and I nearly gave, didn't nearly give up, but I was like, I didn't really trust myself to go, to go much longer. Um, but Matt and Andrew then did a good job at like 6am in the morning to like, wake me up again, give me some Red Bull, uh, give me some coffee. And after I, after I passed this like really rough patch, I felt really good again. So it was just like loads of ups, uh, of ups and downs, like both physical and, uh, sleep deprivation wise. But my legs always held up fine. Like there was no point when I thought my legs are going to give up. Um, I didn't have any problems with my feet, didn't have any problems with my back or any physical issues except for the shins. So like throughout the race, I thought, okay, physically I'm in a good place. It's just going to be a question of sleep in the end of the day. Mm. Do you, um, well, I remember seeing a photo of you sleeping in between one of the hours, but I was a little bit surprised because you were sleeping on the ground, but looked like on the grass outside. So is that yeah. where you were doing most of your sleeping or did you have a tent or marquee? Uh, yeah, so um, I I only have a tiny, t- a tiny tent. Uh, so my wife and I, we normally arrive in this like very small tent. So in the first like one and a half days, I've been using that. Um, but once Andrew Smith uh, dropped out after like I think forty hours or so, uh, he lent me his like very big, uh, big tent. So I was sleeping mostly in his big tent. Yeah. Um, but at that point, when you see that picture, that was actually at the point when I still used my small tent. So I was like sleeping outside because of that. Yeah. Right. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think generally it makes sense to sleep in the tent. I think it's, it's nicer because then you don't hear the other people and so on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so bigs, it's, it's coming up quick. It's only about 60 days away, I think. So you must be getting excited. Yeah, <laughs> Yo, definitely. It's, it's going to be great. Um, also because it's going to be a bit of a road trip. So as I said, it's going to be, uh, Matt is the British champion. He's going to race. He's a good friend of mine and he's going to be crewed by, uh, Vedrana, his wife, really good friend of mine as well. And then we've got Andrew Smith, who's a really good friend of ours. who's going to be my crew. So the four of us, really good friends of each other. Uh, we're going to go there as a team and we're going to have, I think we're just going to have a blast. We're going to arrive in Nashville on Wednesday, have a couple of really nice days together, um, in an Airbnb. And after the race, we're also going to travel around uh, Tennessee a bit together. So we see it as a bit of a really nice holiday. Um, 
but also obviously like uh this competitive aspect of running saturday until yeah wednesday or whatever however long it's gonna be like really really excited about that really excited about seeing how far we can push really excited about seeing how uh matt that andrew and i can make sure that we get the best possible outcome so it's gonna be like a cool experiment i think um, yeah. so like really really psyched for that really hyped up for that yeah yeah sure um i was wondering um do you know why matt blackburn didn't run at suffolk because he hasn't actually run since the last Adelaide championships i don't think yeah so um he's just uh focusing on doing one backyard per year at the moment just because the backyard so when he's done um the 80 80 loops in 2021 and after that it took him some time to recover because um, he also got a little bit injured after that and backyard can take a lot out of you uh, mentally and physically so then he decided okay he's only going to do like one main one main backyard per year and he's rather going to focus on the 48 hour um um championships as well so uh just before Suffolk he raced 48 hours in Italy and he I think is now like ranked number six all time in the UK in the 48 hours so he, he just decided okay he's gonna do like 48 hours in the early year and then backyard uh later in the year like that's just a tactical yeah thing for him yeah, yeah. cool um so at bigs have you thought about any changes that you might make to your strategy from uh, or game plan from what you learned from this at Suffolk yeah so as I said like one main thing is definitely that we want to stick together so I don't want to run by myself especially in the end so that's where it's great that Matt and I can run together and John is also there and we know each other I also know Claire who um raced in Suffolk we know Oriel who's raced in Suffolk so we know quite a few people actually from other races so I think we're going to try to stick together um, as Europeans um, and like um, just make sure that we help each other. So when one person is tired, we can like support that person to go further. Uh, so we really see it as a team team effort, as a European team effort, I think. So that's yeah. the one thing. And the other thing I think is also that, um, so I've got the root of Biggs, or I will have the root of Biggs on my watch. So I just want to make sure like if I do get too tired, I really force myself to look at my watch and see, okay, I just need to follow this route. It is a race. I need to remind myself, okay, just go go one step, uh, like one step at a time and follow this route on your watch. So make sure that you uh, don't get confused. So that's the second thing, I think. Um, and then we are thinking about like learning from other sports, for example, in boxing. Um, like if you're being knocked out or like if you're on the ground, um, uh they managed to get up again so we want to like see how do, how do they do that how can we learn from other sports um to like motivate or like to re rejuvenate the athlete so how can we learn from that so we just try to like improve our game plan yeah also learning from other sports so have you actually like gone to like boxing gyms and stuff like that and <laughs> spoken to some boxers or anything like yeah. that not not yet, but I think we're gonna. Uh, I, I think I'm gonna. Yeah, we're probably gonna do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so you did mention who who the person you've got crewing for you, but can you tell me a bit about um, them and your relationship with them? Yeah. Uh, so Andrew Smith, um, I've gotten to know him in Suffolk. Um, first year I've done it, so 2020. So we've known each other for like um, yeah four years now a uh, really really great runner he's been at bigs in 2019 i think so he knows bigs he knows the course and we've been racing with each other like every single year since 2020 um so we know like he really knows what my weak points are he knows when i'm struggling um he also lives in london with me he lives in greenwich so just like a couple of kilometers east of where i live so we also go for a couple of training runs together so we just uh, like in the in terms of like the relationship between Andrew and I, we just like um, like he really knows what I'm like, what I'm s struggling with if I'm like in dark patches and he's been struggling with the same stuff. So he knows how to like pick me up and to slap me in the face, uh, like uh, not figuratively speaking, um, uh, to make sure that I'm like uh, getting back on my feet. Yeah, but uh, really a great, cheerful kind of person, uh, but also very competitive himself and he knows what to do what to say in the right moments yeah 
So my understanding is that at bigs, you're going to have a, um, a marquee or two runners in each marquee. So do yeah. you know or are you allowed to choose who is going to be in your marquee or have you looked into that yet? Or uh, Yeah, my understanding is we can choose. I think it's just a, a first come, first serve, I think. So um, we just arrive on Friday and just uh, try to like secure a marquee for us. And yes, it would obviously be uh, Matt and Vet, so his wife and Andrew and I. So we try to be in the same marquee. So that also, because for the crew, it's tough as well. Like if, you, uh, if you're crewing for like three or four days, you're getting tired. So Andrew and Vet are probably also going to help each other as crew. So if we are all in the same marquee, that Vet can go to sleep and Andrew can take care of Matt and I or the other way around. Or if they need to do some shopping, then one of them can do the shopping and the other person can take care of Matt and I at the same time. So I think this is going to be like a really good advantage of ours that we have like two runners and two crew in the same marquee. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, mm -hmm. So leading into bigs, um, what type of weekly mileage are you running um, at the moment? Um, and are you building up on um, higher mileage leading up to it? Yeah. Yeah, at the moment, it's not great also because of the holidays in Norway. So at the moment, I think it's like 50 kilometers, so like 30 miles a week, which is obviously nowhere near enough. Um, so I'm slowly trying to up this a little bit over the next couple of weeks and probably going to peak at like probably like 80 miles or so per week. Um, I, I'm not really going to do more than 80 miles or 70 miles a week um, because I don't want to put too much strain on my body and I want to like recover quickly enough for the next session. So what I normally do is that I rather put more intensity into the sessions, like do interval trainings, do like higher pace sessions, um, rather than just plodding along. So you would see on my Strava extremely rarely that I have like fairly slow runs. Uh, so that would only be like a five mile um, recovery run. But most of the runs that I'm doing are like higher intensity runs. And because like through that, I try to save time, but also like uh, just have my training in training effect without doing like really high mileage. So I would imagine that many people go to bigs will probably do much higher mileage than I do, but I just try to compensate for that with intensity. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you're experienced, like you know what works best for you anyway. So yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should be okay. Yeah. yeah. Um so you um we know you love traveling, but have you been to the US before or will this be your first time? Uh, I've been on the East Coast, so I spent a bit of time in uh, New York, um, DC, uh, Boston, uh, just because, uh, I, as I mentioned before, I used to uh, live in Canada for a bit, so I've just been a bit, doing a bit of traveling on the East Coast. But yeah, first time in Tennessee, so yeah, quite excited about that. Should be should be cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, mm. And after Bigs, do you have any anything um, any races planned, or you're not looking past Bigs yet? Hmm. Um, not looking too far past bigs. Like, um, what's on my mind is to do the Spartathlon. So that's like a European race in Greece. Um, it's a bit like the Boston Marathon of ultra running. So you have to qualify for it. It's like quite prestigious. Um, it's a bit faster. So I'm going to look into that. I'm going to look into doing like a pretty, f like, like try to do faster races. So like a hundred, I try to like, uh, do a hundred miler, um, like, uh, like fast 100 miles so not uh not in the mountains but on the roads uh maybe do like a 24 hour race to like see how far i can go in 24 hours so just do a bit of faster stuff um faster in quotation marks obviously yeah. um uh, yeah just because yeah I, I've, I've just recently done like a 12 hour event together with Matt and matt and it was just a lot of fun just seeing like how how fast how far can i go actually within like a limited amount of time so i'm probably going to focus on that a bit yeah, and was that a twelve-hour race around a track? Uh, no, that was actually in the in the woods. Uh, it was like super muddy and uh, quite miserable, actually. But uh, so it was like a five-kilometer five-kilometer trail in the woods. So you just do as many of these five-kilometer loops as possible. Right. Yeah. And have you yeah. run at um, UTMB or anything like that, or is that a goal? Or? Uh, yeah, I've done UTMB in twenty sixteen, so a couple of years ago, uh, which was good um I've, a bigger race that i've done two years ago was a 200 mile race in the swiss alps where i finished third so it had like twenty-seven thousand meters of climbing so i, I definitely don't want to get away from the mountain races like i i, def I love them 
Um, so another race that I'm eyeing is the La Réunion, La, um, La Diagonale de Fou. So that's a race, um, it's south, south of Madagascar, so um, east of Africa. It's quite a prestigious race. It's a hundred mile race um, and you're crossing this island. It's like really humid, um, really mountainous. So it like throws a couple of like really interesting challenges at you. So yeah, I, I definitely want to keep it mixed up. So I don't only want to focus on backyard or only focus on like 24 hour races. I want to keep it mixed. And I think that's the great thing about ultra running. That's the amazing thing about our sport that um, there's so many variations of things that you can do. I still want to do marathons as well because I want to keep my speed as well. So I just want to mix it up as much as possible to not get bored, I think. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, and just out of interest, what, what is your best time in the marathon? Uh, 2.39 at the moment. Yeah. yeah. So still still room for improvement, but I think for an ultra run, it's, it's decent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, hey, um, thanks heaps for um, the time, Hendrik. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for yeah, catching up with me. And it's really, it's always fun to, to talk about a running. So yeah, really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, I hope you yeah keep this podcast going. It's great what you're, what you're doing there. And it's like, it's really inspiring always uh, listening to other people and what they are doing and uh, what keeps them going, how they motivate each other uh, themselves. So yeah, thanks for doing that. Yeah, no worries. And um, you're on holidays now for, for a little while, are you, in Germany? Uh, no, I'm actually doing a home office now, so I'm going to be back home next week in London and then, yeah, back to back to normal working. Uh, I'm going to be in Switzerland with a couple of friends in uh, in September to do uh, a 50-mile race there in the in the mountains. It's like a prep race before, before big, so that's my next holiday. But, yeah, uh, oh. at the moment I need to work. But, yeah. <laughs> well, look... Um, yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Biggs, and I, I know you are too. I can't wait to watch the race, and I'll definitely be um, cheering for you. I hope you do really, really well. Cool. No, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope you have a good day. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the time, and um, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Let's keep in touch. Awesome. Sure. Cool. Thanks, David. Take care. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.